Today we are in chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk, and we are going to finish up this series. And let me just set it up real quick, and then I'll dive in, and we'll get a little bit more to what we're talking about and have some fun before we get into uh, the rest of the passage. But here, I just want to remind you that Habakkuk's name means to wrestle with God or embrace or wrestle with God. And uh, in chapter 1, we see him Chapter one's all about wrestling with God. And his big issues as he looks at the corruption around him and his, his, God's people that aren't even following him, right? He, he looks and it just seems like God doesn't care. Like God could act, but he's not acting. He's not doing anything about it. And so he cries out to God. He presents his complaint and God says, oh, I'm going to do something about it. My discipline is coming, but it's coming through. And I'm going to ask you to boo one more time. Okay, just once more. No, no more. Uh, it's coming through the Babylonians. Thank you. And Habakkuk says, what? They're way worse than us. They're awful. That, and so then his argument and his complaint is, well, God, you just don't seem fair. How is that fair? How is that just? I don't get it. I don't get it, God. He wrestles with God again and asks God questions. And, and what we looked at as we went through chapter one, maybe some of you are in a chapter one stage of your life right now. Um, you, you, maybe you've experienced some amazing times where you felt close to God in the past, but now he just feels so distant. Or maybe life isn't going the way you thought it would. And if you're honest, it's rocked your faith just a little bit, right? Or maybe you know in your head that, that God is good, but you're just struggling to feel it in your heart right now. You're struggling to know that in your heart. And what we saw in chapter one is that people with strong faith can both trust God and have hard questions. You can be a Jesus follower with strong faith and still have some real legitimate questions you're answering. So that was chapter one. In chapter two, chapter two, what we see is God's going to answer Habakkuk and he's going to show him how his justice is going to work out, but it's just a longer timeline. He's looking at it through a little tiny, like his little human viewpoint. And God says, no, when you see it through my, they're not, Babylon's not going to get away with anything. They're not getting away with anything. In fact, uh, what we saw in chapter two, that is, as he's asking God, what do we do? We saw three big principles. You, you got to go and listen to God, just seek God, listen to him. When you're in a struggle, when you're in a chapter one moment of your life where you're struggling and wrestling with what God's doing, you got to seek him and then listen to what he would speak to you. And then you got to write down, write down what he tells you, write down as you read scriptures and, and it jumps off the page to you, write down those things that God is showing you and then wait on God. Because God says, if, if, if I said it, it's going to happen. And we saw an amazing little scripture in there that the righteous person will live by faith. You just got to trust him. What do you do while you wait on him? What do you do while you're waiting for him to speak? You do the next faithful thing. You, you trust him and you, you take the next faithful step he's calling you to, right? So that's what we saw last week. And now we're in chapter three. And in chapter three, here's what we're going to see. Um, he is going to embrace what God is doing. And he's going to be moved to faith and trust in God. And it's going to end up producing joy in his heart in spite of the circumstances. And some of you need that right now. In spite of the circumstances you're in, you need some joy in your life. You need to experience the joy that God would have you 
experience. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, we're going to read this whole chapter, chapter 3, and uh, we're going to move through it fairly quickly. But I want to pause for just a second here in, uh, in chapter, in, in verse 1. So here's how chapter 3, verse 1 starts out. It says this, a prayer of Habakkuk. This is a prayer. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigianoth. Everybody say, Shigianoth. Everybody say, get Shigianoth with it. <laughs> or don't, don't do that. Shigianoth. Now what this means, here's what that is. It's, it, we think it's like a musical tuning or a musical key. So if you're a musical person, you know what that is. And when you, actually this whole chapter, what we're going to see, it's a worship song. It's a song of praise. It's a song of trust. It's a worship song, just like we sang here a few minutes ago. In fact, the chapter ends, I'll read this now, not at the end, but it says this, for the director of music on my stringed instruments. So the whole of chapter three is worship. It's a song. It's an inspired song that God gives the prophet Habakkuk to encourage his people in this season that they're about ready to go through. And let me just say, I want to pause because I love worship through music. I love worship through music. And worship isn't just music. When you hear us say the term worship, a lot of times we think worship is just singing. No, worship is actually giving your life as a sacrifice before God. It's, it's a lot bigger. Worship is corporately when we come together, the whole service, it's worship, but not just here. It's, Monday, you know, it's the rest of the week as you go out and as you live your life for Jesus, okay? But there's something special about worship through music. We're, it's not just a warm-up for the message. You guys know that, right? We're not just trying to loosen you up as a warm-up for the message. There's something profound and something amazing when we lift our hearts up to God in worship. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, you see, when Israel would go out to battle, actually, he would send the musicians ahead of the army, worshiping God. Isn't that amazing? Why? It was to remind them that there was more than just a physical battle going on, that there was a spiritual battle going on, and that their trust was in God. It was to remind them of who went before them and worship those powerful things. Have you noticed how, how worship has the ability to anchor your heart, anchor truth into your heart? Have you noticed that? Let me illustrate it this way. And Since it says it's on my stringed instruments, I'm going to grab... Winston's stringed instrument. I didn't tell him either. Hey! I'm going to see if I remember how to play this thing. There we go. Stringed instrument. All right. I'm getting shiggy enough with it. I just want to illustrate how music anchors our hearts in the truth, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I know I've got some, like, you know, real smart and um, spiritual people here. And so I know some of you are going to get this. But I'm going to say three words, and I want you to finish the Bible verse, okay? And we'll see who gets it. I want, if you're brave, you can do it out loud. If not, just sort of mutter under your breath, okay? But I want to hear some muttering under the breath going on there, out there. For by grace. Keep going. Look at Saturday nights. You're kind of losing it. You're like, uh, I think I remember, sort of, remember this. Anybody remember the chapter of reference? Close. Two. Very good. Front row. 
More of you should sit on the front row, guys. Okay, I know there were some of you. Now, here's what I bet. I'm going to say part of this next word, and, and I want you to finish the whole course. Everyone together, okay? <clears throat> um... Keep going. I Pretty sure that was 100%. Pretty sure. Now, so music has the ability to anchor our hearts in the truth, right? That's a cool thing, isn't it? You know, music also has the ability to help us remember something, remember stuff, right? Have you ever noticed how a song can take you right back? Let's see. That's the key. I, so this song, every time I hear it, takes me right back to a beach, Kona side, Hawaii, to my honeymoon. We heard this song, my wife's just dancing because they're playing this song over here. This band's just jamming. Walking on sunshine. Nope. You know the song, right? Walking on sunshine. Oh, I'm walking on sunshine. Oh, and don't it feel good? Got it? All right, I'm going to put the stringed instrument down now. Whoa, whoa. Clearly, I should have practiced that one ahead of time. Okay, so it brings you back, doesn't it? It has the ability to bring you back just somewhere, like in an instant, and remind you of important things, important things that you might have forgot, emotions, right? Amazing times, maybe bad times, right? Maybe an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, you're like, ah, every time. I don't know, but it, it can bring you back, can it? And music also has the ability to inspire you in tough situations, doesn't it? Now, I want to illustrate this, and I need your help, because I'm going to bet this will inspire you, and I'm not going to say a word until I point, and then you all help me out, okay? Now, here's the picture. You're in the stadium. It's high school. Your team is down by one touchdown, and you're making that final drive, right? And it's not looking good. And then somebody starts up. Come on, help me. Yeah, come on. And then what are you saying? Will, we will rock you. You got it, don't you? They're like, let's keep going. Come on, we're pumped now. And your team makes the drive, right? And they score the touchdown. Woo. You feel that? Music has the ability to inspire you, doesn't it? Um, In tough situations. And music has this ability to lift your heart and worship to God in the way that so many, I don't think anything else does, right? One of my favorite songs, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. And you feel that rise in your heart, worship, worship. And so we don't just do 
worship in through music as a warm-up for the message around here. It's like a big part of our culture, and more and more, we want it to be a bigger part of our culture. In fact, I know we're in Western Colorado. We're like reserved, you know, kind of like we'll sing like we will dance, you know, we will dance, or I don't know. We sing some song that has dancing, and like this is dancing for us, you know. It's like, whoa. We're like clapping. Or we get really crazy. It's like, oh, yeah. Here's what I want to say. I'm more worried about your hearts than your hands, but there's something that, like what you say, when you lift your hands out of an overflow of a heart that's worshiping God, that's not weird. That's awesome. So I want to encourage you to lean into that. Lean into worship, right? That's not really the point of the message, but that's the song. And the point is here, the circumstance that Habakkuk is going through, and what does God do? He gives him the song. And some of you have experienced this because you've been in a circumstance where you were in a really hard place and there was a song that helped you get through that season. And it just ran through your heart and it ran through your mind, right? And here's the thing. God is going to inspire this new song for Habakkuk. And it's a song that will move the people and inspire them to a deeper trust in God. And it's part of how they're going to get through this trial that's about ready to come as Babylon comes in, right? And so here's the song. You ready to hear it? It's an awesome song. Here, here you go. And it, this song starts with the chorus, okay? Kind of like, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It starts with the chorus. And here's how this chorus goes. I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Isn't that amazing? Now, this is the course. This is the course. And, and what it's saying is, hey, I, I want to remember the great and awesome things. I remember. I've heard about the things you've done. I've heard about what you did for our people, the great and awesome things you've done in our past. I'm not seeing it right now, but I remember. And God, there's this thing that cries out in me that says, I want to see it again. Would you do it again, Lord, in our day, in our time? Would you move in a powerful, powerful way? In fact, even this little course, I, I was like, I was trying to remember. I'm like, I know the song that goes with this. And I looked it up today, and it was like from a long time ago. But I still remember it. And so the first thing the song will do is help call their hearts and minds to remember what God has done. And, and to stir up a longing to ask him, God, would you move again? We want to see you move. And I think there's a righteous longing that should be in the heart of every believer to see God move in our day and our time in a powerful way. To see God move and revive hearts, right? And some of you, you, you feel this because you're in a season now where it's like, why doesn't God feel as close as during that one time? Why doesn't God seem as present now as during that time? Why does it seem like God isn't moving in the way he used to move in my life? And you know, this is a really common thing. So many people, they start their spiritual walk out with God and um, they're passionate. They seek God with all their hearts and they see God move in awesome ways and answer prayer. And somewhere along the way, um, you hit a dip. And it just, maybe the prayer that wasn't answered, maybe it was a, just a dry season, a desert season in your walk where you just, you pray and it feels like your prayers just hit the floor. 
What do you do when you're in that situation, right? Well, this song helps us because it inspires a longing of God. We want to see you and experience you again in a powerful way in our lives. Maybe you're asking that question, why doesn't it seem like God is moving in my life like he did in the past? And let me just suggest a couple things real quick. The first one is maybe it's because you aren't passionately seeking him now like you used to. There's a scripture, Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me if you search for me with all your heart. I'll be found by you. And I think there's this thing in us that we remember, like everyone has the tendency to remember the glory days. Whether that's in your spiritual life, remembering that time when you just felt so close to God or it seemed like God was moving in such powerful, profound ways, right? Or just like the good old days in life, right? But the thing I think we always forget is what it took the price we paid, what, what we did during those times, right? And the question, I think, one of the questions as you long for, to see God move in your life is, are you willing to do the things you did before when God was moving so powerfully in your life? You know, getting up early, praying, seeking him, taking risks, sharing your faith with others. Some of you, you're, you remember like the, the shape you were in in high school or, or college maybe, but you ain't willing to do the work it takes to get back there, right? I don't want to do wind sprints. I remember the shape I was in in high school. I was into, into cycling. I would do the monument. One time I did it a couple times in one day, up, down, up, down. I don't want to do the work again to get in that good a shape. I'd like to be in that shape, but I'm the one to do the work. And see, when it comes to our spiritual life, this is something we really have to consider. How bad do you want God? How bad do you want to see him move in your life? Are you willing to do the hard things? I was reminded this week as I was studying of uh, the founder of the vineyard, the association that we're, uh, of churches that we're associated with. And uh, he prayed, as God began to move, he prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people, like for God to, to heal people, and nothing happened. And finally, after praying for hundreds and hundreds of people, it's a hilarious story because they, you know, they called him uh, over to a house. Hey, my wife, this guy calls, my wife's sick. She's not doing very well. Will you come over? Will you pray for her? And so he comes over, he prays for her, and as he's explaining why God doesn't know his heal, he's turn, he, turning to walk away, she's like, gets up. And she's like, I'm better. And he walks out of the room and goes, we got one! <laughs> and God used him in over the years to, to see many more people healed, right? But I'm sure it was awkward about time 99 and about time 200 and about time 400, right? It's just something to remember, isn't it? Um, remember, music, songs, worship, like this song, it helps us remember what God has done. In fact, Revelation Revelation 2, Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, you've forgotten the love you had at first. Remember how far you've fallen. Remember. We're called to remember. And the other thing I think we need to remember, in, when we're thinking about the things that God has done in the past, and this is so important, we need to remember that the situations where God moves in power almost always involve tension and are very rarely comfortable. Have you noticed that? 
If you've read through the scriptures, it's almost universally true. The times when God shows up in big ways, there was a problem that somebody needed him in big ways, right? All of us want to see God split the Red Sea, right? That would be cool. None of us want to be backed up against the Red Sea with the Egyptian army coming at us going, oh God, what are we going to do? And see, here's, here's something about seeing God move in your life and remembering the things that God has done. We long to see God move powerfully. We also long for easy, comfortable times, right? And if I'm really honest, I'd rather be sitting on the t- couch watching Netflix. Just me. Two, two of you. Just you like, sinner. I'd rather be having my quiet time morning and night for two hours. No, we long for comfortable, easy times, don't we? And the two rarely go together. I mean, we avoid discomfort, uncertainty, and awkwardness like the plague, right? How many like awkwardness? Do you know one of the main reasons why we don't share Jesus with others is it just feels awkward? Why we don't pray for others? It just feels awkward. Do you want to see God move powerfully through you? Do you remember like those times when you've when you first met him or those times when he used you to to lead somebody to Christ or to pray for somebody and God moved in a powerful way or those times when he he was so close? Remember and get on board with what he's doing again. Start seeking him passionately. Start being willing to put yourself in situations where you're a little bit uncomfortable, where it feels a little awkward, where there's a little bit of risk involved, right? Right? So that's the, that's the course. Pretty cool course, isn't it? Pretty cool course. All right, he's going to get the verse one of the song. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. And in Hebrew, this all rhymes and sounds like a song. Selah, which is like exclamation point. There's three Selahs in here. It helps us know where the three verses of the song are. His glory covered the heavens. His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He's thinking of all these things God has done. So we had um, Taman and Paran, this region where God uh, brought them out of Egypt. So we recall this time when God formed them and rescued them as a nation, right? We spent all last year going through Exodus. That's all that stuff plague went before him. He remembers the plagues on Egypt, what God had done. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress and the dwellings of Midian in anguish. These are the areas where the people went through on the way to the promised land. Why? Because they worshiped idols and the one true God is rolling through with his people. And then he asked some uh, rhetorical questions in this song. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? It's like, no, no, no. The point he's making is they're just tools in God's hands. God sits outside of creation. He's, he's, He's the creator, right? 
Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? Verse one, back to the course. Repeat the course. How did the course go? I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, I have heard of your fame. Repeat them in our day, Lord. Got the song? So the first thing, if you want to take notes, I've got three things for you. The first one's remember. The second one is acknowledge. And the third one is rejoice. The first one, write, just write it down, remember. Because what God is doing through this song is he's stirring them to remember the power of God, remember who God is, remember what God's done for them in the past. Because they're about ready to be in a situation where they're going to need to remember this where they're going to need to remember that God is in control, that God can rescue, that God can save, that God can redeem. And this song helps them remember the incredible things God has done for their, pe- for their people, the times when God showed up in powerful ways. And you need to remember, this is why I said um, two weeks ago, write it down. Write your stories down. When God does cool things in your life, when, when you see God move in your life, write it down. Because when you're in a hard, dark place, you're going to forget. But if you have it written down, not only can it encourage you, it can encourage other people you share it with. So write down the times that God moved. Write down the prayers. It's so powerful to write prayers down and then go back and go, whoa, God, I didn't even realize you answered that prayer. How cool. Remember times... I mean, for me, it's, it's, I remember the times that God just overwhelmed me um, with his presence in powerful ways. Only happened a couple times in my life, right? I remember one, one time years ago where God, uh, I was on the missions field in Fiji and I was depressed and, and just in a whole really dark place and, and didn't want to be there. And I knew I was supposed to stay, but I just couldn't do it. And so I booked a ticket home. And on the way to the airport, I kid you not, God broke two taxis in a row. The first one, the clutch went out. The second one, we're 30 minutes going down the road back to, back to the airport. The airport's like four hours away. And on a smooth paved road, and um, we're driving, and my team member's over here singing worship songs, and my team leader's talking to the cab driver who happened to be a Christian and uh, telling him in Fijian that I was going AWOL. And half an hour outside of town on the smooth road, my heart's just beating because I know I was doing the wrong thing, but I was just in such a depressed place. I was like, I'm just going home. First taxi, broken. Get the second taxi. Half an hour outside of town, we feel this clunk, clunk. And (laughs) pull over, pop the hood, and I've never seen this ever, where this strut attaches to the frame of the car, it was sheared off. like an angel stuck a sword in there. (laughs) And my team leader looked over at me and said, I can get you another taxi cab if you want, but I'm getting a little afraid somebody's going to get hurt. (laughs) And I said, no, turn around. I'm going to go back. My teammate, um, she maybe drew me a whale, like Jonah in the whale, um, with the mile marker on it. I still have it. I know that God, I I don't have any other explanation for that. I know God did that. I don't know. And what's crazy, it didn't get like easy overnight. It was still really hard. But I knew God saw me and I knew he was with me. And that got me through. 
And I don't know what he was saving me from to this day. But I'm convinced that he was saving me from something in keeping me there. So that, that was like amazing, right? I remember the time when, when somebody, we were really, my wife and I were really struggling with a, somebody in, in our family and um, praying for them. And we went down front at a conference and to get prayer. And this dude sees us from like, this is a huge auditorium in, in Southern California, Anaheim. And this dude sees us from way up in the balcony, a couple thousand people at this thing, picks us out and feels like God says to come pray for us. He runs down, finds us, and, he's let, and we look down and he's like, I just have a word to share to encourage you. And we look down and his name tag is the exact same as this family member we've been praying for. Like, wow. God moments, like, I mean, I remember the truly miraculous ways God provided this building when we were like, we don't know if we have a place to, to meet anymore, right? Stuff that shouldn't have happened. Now, may, maybe in your life you're like, oh, yeah, pastor. You're the pastor. Of course you have pastor stories, right? But not me. I don't have anything like that. Maybe, I don't have anything dramatic yet like that. I would say, not yet. Not yet. I believe if you keep following God and seeking him, you're going to experience some of those kinds of things in your life. Why? Because God's alive and active. You keep seeking him. He's going to keep moving in your life, right? But maybe, maybe it, for you, it's something different. It's like the time when you came to church and the sermon like spoke so exactly to you, you just knew it was you. Like you knew God was speaking to you through that. Because it was like somebody read your mail. Or maybe it was like, God answered your prayer in such a way that you just knew it wasn't a coincidence. It's just too weird to be a coincidence, right? Or maybe it was that money or that opportunity that came through at just the right exact time. Anybody had that? Raise your hand. Anybody had like, wow, yeah. How many of you have had like that prayer that God answered in just a way you knew it wasn't a coincidence? Yeah, a ton of us, right? Um, Or that, how many of you, like, you're running five minutes late and annoyed at your kids, and you, like, drive out, and you pass, like, a power pole down on the road or something, and you're like, I think God just saved me from something. You can't prove it, but it's a little too weird to be a coincidence. Anybody had something like that happen? Yeah. Right? Maybe it's something like that for you. Or maybe it's just that God encourages you in the, in, in the community of believers. He encourages you with, with somebody else's story. I've been so encouraged by other people's stories. Like some missionary books I've read. Uh, Lauren Cunningham, Is That Really You, God? One of my favorite books. You should read it if you haven't. About how God had led and moved in people's lives. Maybe it's through your stuff that happened to your parents or a mentor or friends. And, and oftentimes those stories become your stories. Didn't happen to you, but you're pretty close and you know this person and, and you trust them. And God's moved in such powerful ways in their life, right? Maybe, maybe you've experienced that. That's one of the reasons why God calls us together, to, to be together, to share with each other, to encourage each other. We have a word for that around here called one anothering. Is because God wants us to speak into each other's lives to encourage each other. 
I reached out to a friend because I, I wanted to get the details straight of the story. And they emailed me. Write it down, right? They emailed me the story. They're, they've since moved out to Southern Carolina, I think, or North Carolina. Um, but just today they emailed me. And th- this guy's name is Dave. Dave and his wife, Kim. And uh, we, we started, I helped start this training school up at Youth of the Mission Cimarron in 2009. And we worked really hard to recruit some kids, some young people to go up to the very first one that we were having. Uh, it was called the DTS, or Discipleship Training School. And Dave and Kim's, um, their uh, son went to this camp and his soon-to-be wife. And as they were up there, um, a little bit before this, and I didn't know this until a couple of years ago, but Dave had been diagnosed um, with MS. Like, doctor diagnosis, went to a specialist, confirmed the diagnosis, and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what special course of experimental treatments to take and stuff. Well, they ended up coming up. This was late in 2008 and 2009. They ended up coming up for a work day up at Cimarron. And that night they had a worship thing. David had been working his tail off all day and with the condition was exhausted and didn't want to go to prayer time that evening, but he just felt like he was supposed to go. And so he went. And as they were up there, um, some of the young people felt like they were supposed to pray for him. And so his son, I think his son, laid hands on him along with some of the other young people And while they were praying for him, Dave had a vision of himself in the airport, like in his mind's eye, he saw this, and he like he was the only one in the terminal, and he set a suitcase down, and as he walked away, he looked back and it said MS on there. And he just knew God had healed him. So he went back, told his doctor, they diagnosed, or they they checked him out and wrote him a letter, clean bill of health. That was over ten years ago. Still healthy. Amazing. Isn't that cool? God does stuff like that. Now, it's hard because God doesn't always do stuff like that, right? I know other people that still struggle with that exact condition. People have been praying for him for years. But God stepped in, in that moment. And that's Dave's story, but it's not just Dave's story. Now that gets to be part of my story too, right? Because I know Dave, I love Dave. I'm so glad that God did that in his life. And see, for you, remembering what God has done, as you hit patches in your life in the dip where things are hard, remembering, remembering what God has done is so vital. Because when you're in those times, you got to remember. You got to remember. So this song inspires worship. All right, verse 2. You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by in the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun, moon, sun and mood stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath, you strode through the earth, and in anger, you threshed the nations." And another thing to remember is that God's justice prevails. And see, they would have to remember this. And, and let me just say, I, I know in our culture, in our day and age, we read verses like this and it makes us uncomfortable. 
Because we like to think of like homeboy Jesus. Um, and let me just say, if there's no part in you that cries out for ultimate justice, you've probably never experienced unspeakable atrocities. I'm guessing there's something in the hearts of the people of Israel who would go through Babylon literally destroying their city and hauling them off into exile, right? There's been unspeakable things that have happened in the last hundred years. Things like the Holocaust, which everybody knows about. Or if you've experienced, you know, some under Marxism, Leninism, communist, socialist regimes, you know, killed over 100 million people over the last century. The USSR, China, Cambodia, other impressive areas, military regimes, right? Myanmar right now, the church planners that we, we support are experiencing um, the, the government has just come, they had a military coup, and we're getting all these like, firsthand accounts from these guys telling us of you know, the things that are happening right now that, that's not on the news. You're not seeing. Be praying for those guys. Be praying for our church planner partners over in Myanmar because it's, it's a tough time, right? And see, the truth is we've, most of us have lived such comfortable lives that, that we don't understand that. But all throughout the scriptures, you see justice is a theme. And ultimate justice will prevail. And God's going to encourage them because this is a song he's given to them that they can sing when they're in exile in Babylon. To remember that justice will prevail. That justice will prevail. And let me just say about Jesus... It's important to be reminded of this. Because we read passages like this, like I said, it's hard, right? And oftentimes we think, well, yeah, I know, I read some of that in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, um, God is love, yes. And love, embodied in God's love is his perfect holiness. A holiness that cannot... Um, be around sin. In fact, Habakkuk says that in chapter 1. And there's sin that separates us from God if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus yet. But he comes to make the way. In fact, it says the wrath, um, basically God took all of that. Jesus took all of that on himself. But there is coming a day at the end. this, This is Jesus. This is how Jesus is described. In Revelation, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but him himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Ultimate justice will prevail. But see, the beautiful thing, and this is the gospel, it also says in the New Testament that he wills that none should perish, but that all should come to their knowledge of the truth. 
that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And wherever you're at, the amazing thing is wherever you've been, wherever you're at here today, he invites you into that. He invites you to experience that, to have life in him. That's at the heart of the gospel. In fact, it's so cool. Um, The very first martyr of the church, well, Jesus from the cross, do you remember what he prays? And see, this is, the, this is the thing that when you think of like justice and some of these passages, this is what Jesus reveals to us about the heart of God. There will be a time when every one of us will stand before a judge and the question is, are we under his amazing grace that we started out singing about? Are, are we covered with, by his grace or are we not? Right? But Jesus from the cross, you remember what he prays about the people that were crucifying him? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then the very first martyr in the early church is named Stephen. Do you know what he prayed as they were throwing rocks, stoning him to kill him? What did he pray? He echoes Jesus, right? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Do you know who was presiding over the death of the very first martyr in the New Testament? A guy named Saul. You know him as Paul. He's, he, by all arguments, it's because of the ministry of Paul that we're here worshiping Jesus today. God used him in such a profound, powerful way. A guy that was literally dragging Christians out of homes, arresting them, that it says he was breathing out murderous threats. As the first martyr Stephen died, he stood giving approval. You think you're beyond the grace of God? (laughs) Think again. Think again. You're not beyond the grace of God. You think anyone is beyond the grace of God? You think anyone is beyond being used by God? No. No. Let me say, as I look at our culture today, um, cancel culture, people being canceled for one thing they said, one bad tweet, you know, that is antithetical. It's, uh, I said that totally wrong. It's the opposite of the gospel. Antithesis. Antithesis. Thank you. See, front row, guys. More of you should sit there. <laughs> the gospel is God wills that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And oh, you got somebody that was breathing out murderous threats. Let's use him to reach the world for Jesus. Do you know the guy that wrote the song Amazing Grace that we started out singing? Any of you know his story? Yeah, he ran slave ships. God ended up redeeming him years and years later. In today's day and age, there's no way we'd be singing that song in church. But I sure am glad we're singing it. Because God redeemed him. He was actually late in his life. He, he turned his life around. And he actually wrote some of the literature that inspired Wilberforce in Britain to end slavery. Amazing grace. He understood when he wrote that saves a wretch like me, he understood that, right? He understood that. 
And so, you remember. You remember what God has done. You remember what God has done. You remember what God has done in your life. You allow your heart to be moved. And you know what? I had two more things, but I think we should just end there. I'm going to invite Winston up. And we're going to take this series one more week. Because I'm the preacher, so why not? Because I could rush through the rest of this, but I've got some really good stuff in there. And uh, I think we'll save it till next week. You want to stand? Here's how we're going to close. There's, there's two more things, and I'll just give you the heads up. One of them is acknowledging what God is doing in the circumstance, and um, I think that's going to be a big deal for some of you in this room, so don't miss next week. I stand in awe of your deeds. I remember what you did in times past, God. Would you do it again in my life? Would you move again? And some of you, you need to remember. You just, your heart needs to be stirred to remember today. But that your heart would be reminded, God, of, of the things God's done and that you would allow that, as you think about that, and as you look at your situation, your circumstance, whatever you're in right now, that that would be allowed to build faith and trust in your heart. And for others, um, you need to remember that God's justice will prevail, that Jesus is coming again, that you will stand face to face before him, and you want to be covered with grace. You want to be in his grace. Grace means unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And so as we close here, as we sing this song, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. If that's you in the room, and you've never embraced what Jesus has done for you, or if you're joining us online and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, Guys, this is what it's all about, okay? And so for those others, um, if that's not you, why don't you pray for somebody that may be joining us online or in the room right now that needs to respond. And I want to invite you to just respond to Jesus by praying a prayer like this. Lord, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again. And Lord, I... I am asking for your grace. I cannot earn it. I cannot earn it, Lord. Lord, would you give me life in you? I want to turn my life to you, live my life for you, Lord. Lord, I want my own story of following you. Forgive me, welcome me into your family. Lord, for all my other friends here, um, would you just show them what they need to be reminded of, Lord? For the person that's just in this place where they feel so far from you, let them remember the time when they walked passionately with you. For those that have had amazing experiences with, with you in the past, Lord, would you stir it up in their hearts again? 
Would you give them fresh vision, fresh faith for this season that they're in? Move on their hearts, Lord. Move on their lives. Let's sing this song. I'll come back up and pray for you. Hey, as we close, let me just say, my heart for you is that you would experience what life lived with the living God is supposed to be lived like. And so let me just encourage you, as you remember the things he's done, or if you're like, I've just never, I've not experienced that. Well, let me encourage you. He says, if you seek him, you will find him. Run after him with all your heart. Don't hold back. Bless you, guys. Bless you.